church family. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, worship team. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just bringing up my laptop here so that I can go through my notes. Uh, I never knew there's so much pressure, Hedley. Like, you know, I just want to honor Hedley and Vanessa. You can see that husband and wife are serving together in the house. Uh, and I remember about a year ago, they were just about to get married. And it's so encouraging just to see them serving God faithfully, week in and week out. And, you know, it's such an honor and privilege for me and Sharon and the kids to be part of this church. This is a great church. And I know that God wants to build a strong church. And I think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that when we sing about the songs we sing today and the message that we hear from Headley, that God wants to build a people with strong faith. We need to have a faith that can withstand the currents of our time. You know that it's getting harder and harder for us to live out our faith. And I don't think, unfortunately, it's going to get better. And I think God wants to shape a church that is strong. Otherwise, we cannot fulfill what God wants us to do. Before I begin, just want to welcome you all to church and just want to say a big hello to those of you watching online. We miss you and we hope we see you at some point. I believe gathering together is one of those ways we can build our faith together. Uh, it is, there is something powerful when we gather together, just like a family gathers around the dining table. We are God's spiritual family gathering together. There is something special when we are physically present and when we build each other up. Christmas is not really that great if you, if you have all your relatives zooming in, isn't it? All right? When you gather for Easter and get for birthday parties, how does it feel if people start zooming in only? Something, something is missing, isn't it? And I'm not, I'm not having a go with any one of you that's watching online. I'm sorry, because I was, I was like that too. I, I, got, I, got, pretty, I got pretty lazy during, um, during the pandemic as well. But I believe there is something very powerful when we gather together. And I, and I encourage every one of us, myself included, on the days that we don't feel like coming to church, that we get here. So I want to share about growing great faith. Those of you who play games, you like to put GG. Gigi, right? Uh, so as Christians, we need to grow great faith. And today I want to unpack a little bit about faith because the world actually lumps us together as, oh, these are the people of faith. You know, when, when, when you hear the news, oh, this is, uh, we don't want to offend the people of faith or, oh, it's all these people of faith. What does it mean being people of faith? You see, that's what the world thinks of us. Um, you know the truth is, even though it's true that we are people of faith because we need to put our faith in something, every human being is a person of faith. It's just a matter of who we put our faith in. Do you think it takes no faith for you to go under an anesthetic having a surgeon that you don't even know whether he had, he had like a, a whole, whisk, whole whiskey bottle the night before to, to operate on you? Not to say any of my surgical friends do that, but you know, uh, I'm just saying, um, how much faith do you need when you get on an airplane you don't even know who's flying the plane? Right? It could be an intern pilot for all you know. Right? You don't know, don't you? Right? They keep cancelling flights for technical reasons, but you don't know. Isn't that true? They always say, oh, there's operational issues. Yeah, right. Operational issues. Yeah. It's either there's not enough people on the plane, they don't want to make money. You know, it's, there must be something else. Call, call me a skeptic in that. All right? But, you know, it takes a lot of faith to get into a plane and you don't even question the pilot. You don't even know who is behind the cockpit. 
Because every time the, 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 F, the flight attendant always guards it, you ever realize it? You don't really know who's behind it? So it matters. All of us have faith. It's just a matter who we put our faith in. And as Christians, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We put our faith, we put everything. If we call ourselves a Christian, we will put everything in our lives into Jesus Christ. And today I want to unpack the five things that we need to grow great faith. And it's not going to be rocket science, I promise you. But when you look at faith itself, it is quite hard to define, isn't it? You know, people like to quote scriptures about faith, like, you know, they, they quote like uh, Hebrews, it says, uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Have you ever wondered, what does that mean? Every time I hear that, it's like, I don't even understand what gibberish this is, right? But I like to simplify faith. But there's no simple way to simplify faith. Because if you look into the interpretation of faith, and even if you look at the definition of faith, you get all of this. You get belief. You get a system of belief that creates a creed, which is called credence. You, you get conviction. You get reliance and a complete trust in God, which is all true, isn't it? That is all faith. When you think about faith, it's, it's a combination of all of this. But faith is even greater when you see it in action. Right? You can do all the definitions of faith, but the greatest way we can show faith is the evidence of faith. Because when there is faith, there's always an action. And today I want to share with you the five steps in developing, growing great faith. And I like to break it down to abbreviations, F-A-I-T-H, right? Let's start with the most important F word, faith, right? Now, pardon me if this looks a little bit feminine to, me, to you, all right? So I just apologize. I, I, I'm just putting it out there when I prepared the slides. Sharon walked past and said, oh my goodness, that's so girly. And I said... Is there a problem with that? Oh, and oh, Sharon paid me out the last few days of having girly slides. Right? But, but there is no other way I can depict. I, I wish I can find a more manlier tree, but it's like all flowers, all right? So I'm allowed to have flowers, all right? This is as floral as I get. Right? But faith is something that is alive. And so I like to put a bit of plants in it, all right? So our faith is not a dead faith. Our faith is a faith that is alive. And the F First of all, stands for foundation, all right? What is the foundation of our faith? It has to be Jesus Christ, all right? There's no other foundation we should be building our life except in Jesus Christ, just like what Hedley shared. It is all about Jesus, all right? It is not about coming to church. It is not about doing things right all the time. It is not about living a morally upright life. It is not living a life that will never offend anybody. It is not a life that spends an entire decade in meditation and being Zen-like. No, it starts and ends with Jesus. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 to 17. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. And I want to emphasize, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. It is when we hear the good news of Jesus Christ, faith comes in. When we hear the good news of Jesus Christ and we believe, we 
have life. It is not about us understanding everything about scriptures. It is not us understanding everything about the history uh, of the Bible even. It is when we come to the point where we heard the good news of Jesus Christ and we believe true faith and it's only in Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Our faith, your faith, my faith starts in Jesus and it will only end in Jesus. And everything else that we build our life as a foundation around it will crumble at some point because one day the test will come and you will see which foundation we stand on. If we build our foundation upon religion, it will crumble. If we build our foundation upon ministry, it will crumble. If we build our foundation upon our career, it will crumble. If we build our foundation about, on money, it will crumble. It starts and ends with Jesus. And secondly, it is the gift from God. This faith you and I have in Jesus Christ is not something that we have come out of ourselves. We cannot come to this place of believing in Jesus Christ through pure reason. Because when we believe in Christ, it almost goes against what the world believes. So this is, there is something special when you and I come to Christ. And it's not because we got it all worked up out here. We didn't get it all worked out inside and outside. But there is something special because it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we became believers. It is a gift from God. It is a precious faith according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. This faith was given. Now, this faith wasn't earned. This faith was given. So this faith you and I have in Christ, it's a gift. The third thing about foundations, when we have our foundation in Jesus Christ and we know that it's a, only, it's a gift, God desires us to grow it. Because Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 to 7 says, now as we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord, we must continue to follow and, and read on. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong. So we need to grow our faith, right? Even though this, this faith is a gift, we didn't earn it, but this gift needs to be grown. This gift you and I have must be nurtured and must be grown, just like plants, just like flowers, all right? Um, and... When we grow our faith, it will lead to fruit. And fruit, when it comes to faith, is action. So when we grow our faith, when we allow God to grow us, it will always produce action. That is the evidence of faith. James chapter 2, verse 18, see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So you can see the foundations of our faith has to be number one in Jesus Christ. And number two, we need to know that this is a gift from God that we were meant to grow so that we can show the evidence of our faith through our lives. And that's what makes a powerful foundation for our faith. So if we get our foundation right on the F, the rest will flow smoothly. F for foundation. Second, we sing about authority today. We sing about God's authority. The key to growing great faith is when we never question the authority of Jesus Christ. The authority of Jesus unquestioned. I bring to you Luke chapter 7, verse 6 to 9. This is the story 
For those of you who read your Bibles, this is the story of the Roman centurion. So the Roman centurions, they were the occupying force in Israel back in the time of Jesus. And this is a high-ranking military officer. And he has a servant that is sick. And so he asked his, he, he asked his servants to call on Jesus to come and heal his sick servant. But when Jesus was going on his way, he sent another servant to tell Jesus that don't bother coming because I know you are a man of authority. And I know this, in verse 8, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. If you read the Gospels, there's only a few times Jesus actually says, I haven't seen faith like this. You know, there were a few times when Jesus was amazed at somebody's faith. Most of the time, Jesus is saying, oh, you are little faith. But there was, it's a little bit like a cooking, a cooking competition, isn't it? When you cook a dish and then you've got this Michelin star chef trying to, uh, trying to judge your food. Can you imagine if you cook some, your best macaroni and cheese and then some, some Michelin star chef comes in, man, that is the best macaroni and cheese I've ever done. It's like, wow, isn't that, isn't that like, that's like the highest praise, isn't it? When, when, the, uh, when the top chef tells you that your home cooking is the best. It's the same thing here. Like Jesus is saying that this guy has got great faith. And there's only, a, there's only a few times when Jesus actually mentioned that, man, I'm amazed. This is great faith. You know why this is great faith? It's because the Roman centurion had a revelation that Jesus had all the authority and Jesus didn't even need to be present there. You know that most of the miracles of Jesus was done when Jesus was physically present. There was the crowd. He went and healed them. This is one of the few times he wasn't even there. And then the servant got healed. But that is great faith. And the, the irony of this, it's coming from a non-Jew. The irony of this is this guy who knows nothing about the law. He knew nothing about all the instructions on how to live a holy life. All he did is he saw the evidence of faith. He saw the evidence that Jesus is something greater than just a human being. And he recognized that Jesus had authority. And he says, because you have authority, I will submit myself to your authority to command the sickness to go. And he received this miracle. When we come to the point where we acknowledge that Jesus had full authority, that's one of the keys to grow great faith. The second, the, the, third, the third key to growing great faith is we need to grow a faith that is independent of our emotions. We are very, very emotional people. And there is nothing wrong with that because that is the core of our being. We are made to have emotions, right? Otherwise, we are all robots, right? So these emotions that God has blessed us, that God has given us, we need to be good stewards of it. We live in a, we live in a time where everybody is offended so easily. You put a post up somewhere and everyone is offended, you get cancelled, you get, you, you get, you know, when, you know, if we, we get so emotional over what people say, we get so emotional over what people do. Can I tell you this, that I, in, in the end of the day, 
we are responsible for our own emotions. I cannot, I cannot be responsible for how you react. I can say something that might offend you, but I am not responsible for your response. I am not responsible for the emotions that you have. And vice versa, if you said something that offends me and I get all worked up over it, that's fine, that's a normal reaction. But I'm, in the other day, I am responsible for my own emotions. And we cannot allow our emotions to dictate our faith. Because if we let our emotions dictate our faith, we will have a faith that sways. We have a faith that is weak. Because when the day that we, are, that we don't feel emotionally right, we feel that our faith is dead. And when we, and when we feel that some days our emotions are great and, and, and we say, oh yeah, I, I'm full of faith. I'm in an atmosphere of faith. But no, you're just emotionally happy. Right? You're just emotionally happy. Or on the days that you feel that, oh, I've got no faith. No, you're just emotionally drained. The Bible is full of heroes of faith that, have, that, go, that went through the entire gamut of emotions, isn't it? You, have, you, have, you read through all the heroes of faith. Moses had a great time of doubt, right? He's like, no, no not me. He, he got all panicky. Gideon got panicky. Uh, David is full of emotions. Look at his Psalms, right? Sometimes he's murderous. Sometimes he's, he's like wailing. Sometimes he's, like he's angry. We all have emotions. Even Jesus had emotions. Jesus was angry. Jesus was sad. Jesus was distressed. But Jesus even wept like crazy in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus never allowed the emotion to dictate his faith. He never allowed his emotions to dictate that, oh no, I'm, I'm not going to die on the cross anymore. <laughs> no. So we cannot allow our emotions to dictate our faith. And this is a prime example in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. This is the story of a Gentile woman. So this Gentile lady is not a Jew. Once again, can you see the pattern here? People of great faith, they're not even Jewish, right? Um, this is a Gentile woman that came to Jesus saying, please come and heal my daughter who is possessed by a demon. And what did Jesus do? He snubbed her. Jesus didn't even, Jesus pretty much ignored her. And that's pretty offensive, isn't it? Isn't that offensive? Yeah. And, and then his disciples tell her to go away. And then Jesus, she didn't give up. She came again and Jesus said, I was sent only to help to, to God's lordship, the people of Israel. Isn't that the second smack on the cheek? It's, like, it's, it's almost like, oh, that's pretty racist, isn't it? Right? There's, there's Gentile, there's Jews. This Gentile woman wants, can you come and heal my daughter? No, you are not the right race. Can you imagine how this goes down in this day and age? All right, yeah. So that was a pretty much indirectly racist comment. Right. And, and, but she didn't give up. She came and said, God, please help me. He said, isn't it right? Isn't it, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And now he's inferring her that she's a dog. So that's, that's not just racist. That's sometimes sexist. <laughs> then you're calling her a dog. I don't even want to say that word, all right? But did that deter this woman from her faith? He said, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat scraps from the master's table. And here Jesus replied, your faith is great. All right? So we cannot allow some of the delays that God brings us to, to, to get ourselves offended and say, God, I'm going to walk away from you. 
God, like, I, I don't want this. I know that Jesus, Jesus did not do this. Jesus probably did this on purpose because he knew that her faith is great and he wants to make an example to his, to his disciples that this is what great faith is like. And then when you do not allow your faith to be offended easily by your circumstances and you keep pressing on, that is the kind of faith. And see the irony again that this is a Gentile woman. She's not even a person that knows her Bible or the law inside out. She doesn't even know a single thing about law, but what she knows is that Jesus is something different, that she put her faith in Jesus Right? Just like the Roman centurion put his faith in Jesus and not upon the Jewish culture or the law, the same way this woman put her faith in Jesus. Growing our great faith, growing a great faith, we need to divorce our faith from our emotions. Next thing, the T. Growing great faith involves us being tenacious in our expectation. Being tenacious means you have this tenacity that is, you, you're just going to grip onto something and you're not going to let go. A great faith is a tenacious faith. And Jesus showed that in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. He tells his disciples of the story of a woman who went into an unjust judge, and this woman wants justice. She wants justice for, for her need. And she came to the judge, and the judge didn't want to help her. But she continued and continued to press the judge. And this judge is a corrupt judge. But in the end, the judge gave in. And Jesus is saying, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Do you have a need that you're believing God for? Can I encourage you to stay tenacious, that you do not let go? Because our God is not an unjust judge. Our God is a good God. And He doesn't allow you to go through any trials that is beyond what you can bear. And if we are tenacious in our expectation of faith when we pray, if we are tenacious in our expectation when we bring our needs before God, surely, surely God will answer. And surely... On top of that, God will grow our faith. God will grow our faith to be stronger despite the trials. Can I encourage you to be tenacious in your expectation of God? Last but not least, the hitch of faith is heaven-focused. You know, we are, we are sometimes quite caught up in our daily needs and myself included, you know, like, you know, we have the pressures of our day, we have so much stuff that we have to do, and we always bring our current needs before God. But sometimes we lose the greater perspective. Sometimes we lose the greater perspective of what God wants us to do in the long run. If Jesus was, if Jesus' main goal is to set up everything all good on earth, he would have come 2,000 years ago and overthrew the Roman Empire and, and started a whole new, you know, started a whole new country or something. But, Jesus was heaven-focused. Jesus had a greater, has a greater goal in mind. And we ourselves too, when we grow our faith, our faith has to be heaven-focused in our perspective because there's going to be unanswered prayer. I have to struggle through prayers that are not answered. I prayed for, we prayed for a friend of mine who died in the end. And I watched him die on Zoom 
last year, and he's a Christian. And, some, and my faith was shaken. It was like, God, we, we believe and we, we believe and we pray, we fasted and we prayed. But he died in front of, he died in front of me in Zoom. And my faith was shaken too. But then I thank God that the Holy Spirit began to heal, to heal my perspective. To see that God, we need to have a heavenly perspective because Jesus had eternity in mind. He didn't just have something on earth that he's trying to accomplish. So God has an, has an agenda for us on earth, but he's got a greater agenda for us in heaven. So the Apostle Paul summed this up so well when he says that the, our faith is like a fight. We fight with a goal, isn't it? You don't fight for nothing. You fight for something. You fight either because you're, you're, you're pissed off at something, right? And your, your goal is to knock that person down, right? Uh, or it's like a race. You race to a finish line. You don't race to, a no, to somewhere where there is no finish line. That's, that's just crazy, right? Then you're going to be a bit like Forrest Gump, if you know that movie. It just kept running and running and running, right? Does that make sense? That where our faith has to have a goal. Our goal is heavenward. Our goal is to accomplish what God wants us to do on this earth and also believing that he's got something so much greater in eternity when we leave. And I have to say goodbye to my grandmother too this, uh, early this year when she died and she went back with the Lord. And all that, if our faith is always all about what happens on this earth, what happens when we say goodbye to our loved ones? Right? There is a hope that we can grieve with hope. When we lose our loved ones, we can be heaven-focused in our faith and say, yes, we will see you later. We grieve with hope. It doesn't take away the grief, but we have hope. It's one of the greatest things we have when we put our trust in Jesus because we know that he has gone to the other side of the veil of death and he's returned. All right? And there is no other savior that has done that. No science has ever proved that, that they can do exactly what Jesus did. And this it's the heritage that we have, the heritage of faith that we need to guard and we need to grow. I invite the music team to come back up. In summary, growing great faith has to have a faith whose foundation is solely on Jesus Christ. A faith that is great is when the authority of Christ is unquestioned. Growing great faith, we need to reach a point where it's going to be independent of our emotions and needs to be tenacious in our expectation and heaven-focused in perspective. And that is what we need to do to, put great, to have great faith. But it all starts on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It all starts by walking with Jesus Christ. Because you can know all about Jesus, but do you really know Jesus? It's like, I, I'm married to Sharon. I know Sharon inside out. She, she thinks I don't know her inside out, but I think I don't. She tells me that all the time that she knows me inside out, which is true. Um, but Sharon also has a Facebook page. It will list all her likes and dislikes, you know, what, what, what she does. And, you know, so, but usually her Facebook page will correlate with who she is in real life. Isn't that right? So in the same way, like, how do we know God personally? You can know all about God. It's like, watching, it's like looking at God's Facebook page, which is going to be very long, I'm sorry. Right, because been here for like eternity but plus knowing God it usually should marry up otherwise you're a con man isn't it right so 
knowing Jesus should always correlate with what He's already written in the Word. Just like what Pastor Rob shared in Awaken, where when you feel the original money notes inside out every day, you will know when a counterfeit comes. And so if, if I suddenly see a note from Sharon's Facebook page saying something that is way out of the ordinary, it's like, I love PlayStation. It's like, that's, somebody must have hacked your Facebook account, right? So in the same way, when you know Jesus, you know when you can discern what is right or wrong. Right, because there's a lot of people that will put on God's Facebook page that God is this and this and that. But if you know Jesus, you will know, no, that's not right. Because I know Jesus. Right? I just don't know about Jesus. I know Jesus. So today I want to introduce you to Jesus. If you do not know Jesus, I want you to meet him because he is ready to come into your life. He is ready to start a relationship with you. And all it takes is just faith. It's just putting the foundation of your life on Jesus said Jesus I trust you and I want to help you I want to help you with this prayer because if this is what you want we're going to pray together we're going to pray together and if this is the first time whether online or where you are that you're going to pray this prayer that Jesus I really want I don't just want to know about you I want to know you would you pray this prayer together with me So we pray this together. You don't have to repeat after me. We'll pray this together and I won't go too fast. Right? So let's go. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God who came and died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins and make me clean by the power of your blood. I accept you into my life as my Savior and Lord from this day on. Thank you for coming into my life and making me a new person. I ask this in your name. Amen. And if this is the first time you prayed this prayer and you meant it, I can assure you that Jesus has come into your life despite whatever emotions that you are, you are feeling because it's not about your emotion. Because when we believe in faith, something happens on the inside. And I can tell you that from the promises of God's Word, from the promises of what Jesus said, that you are a new creation. And I want to encourage you that if this is the first time you've done so, can you come and see Pastor Rob or Pauline or myself after the service? Because we want to give you some resources to help you. And also if you are watching online, if this is the first time you pray, I want to congratulate you. But we also want to get in touch with you. Can you get in touch with, with somebody from the church so that we can help you? We are not interested in a membership drive. We are interested in you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right, so if that is you online, come and contact us in church anytime. And so we want to help you. And we want to, we want to welcome you to the family of God as well. And every head bow, every eye closed. I also want to open this opportunity for those of us who are struggling in our faith, that we feel that God, my faith is just, you know, some days I feel it, some days I don't feel it. Help me, Lord. I go through that too. I have to pray the prayer, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And this is you together as church together in the presence of God, I believe that God wants to restore your faith. God wants to give you that little boost in your faith to know that despite how you feel, 
despite all, He still has authority. And your faith is not dependent on your emotions. And that we can be tenacious once again and believe God for a breakthrough in our lives. If that is you and you say, God, by faith today, I'm standing and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand with you because of what you've done and what you said and not because of how I feel or what I can do. If that is you, I encourage you to stand. I encourage you to stand in the presence of God as a sign that God, I really want to stand in faith in what you have promised me. And as we sing the song, Authority, may I encourage you to stand and allow the Holy Spirit to work something powerful as I pray and we start singing. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. Not by might, not by power, I speak faith into your people today as we believe that God, whatever the need is, Help us to know that, Lord, that you are the one who starts and finishes our faith. I speak your blessing to my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen.